Welcome to the talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. up revolution yeah okay so we did that the first time and it was kind of like waking up you have no excuse now we've had music going we've been standing up so I'm gonna try one more time how's it going revolution you good yeah awesome hey I'm really excited to be here with you uh, hey if you're joining us online as well we're excited that you chose to join us uh, if we haven't met I guess if we have met my name's Eric and uh, I like has been said I'm the lead pastor of a church called story church uh, church planter so we're in the process of launching, and I'm just so excited to be here with you today as we're continuing our theme, Faith in Practice. And uh, I don't know uh, if you were feeling it, but just as we were singing some of those songs, I feel like it set us up so well for where we're going in the next few moments, just with this idea of growing our faith uh, in any life circumstance and in anything that we may be facing together. But I love this idea of the summer of collaboration that we're joining in. Uh, during our run-through, somebody called it the summer of love. Uh, but I think that depends on like who's here speaking each week. So hopefully this week is a summer of love week for you, but it's the summer of collaboration where we're working together. And uh, you know, I think almost every time that I'm here with Revolution, I brag a little bit on your lead pastor, Anthony. I'm not gonna do that today because he's got like three months away where he's resting and doing all that good stuff. I wanna brag on you guys uh, because I just love this community of Revolution and we really do feel as Story Church that spirit of collaboration, that idea that like we really are better together. Just from the openness that you've shown to us, uh, Revolution is supporting us on our church planting journey and we're gearing up kind of in our last month stretch. Uh, our grand opening is on August 15th over in Peru. And just all along the way, we felt your love, we felt your support, we felt your prayers. And I just wanna say a huge thank you uh, to you guys. And again, I'm honored to be here. It's like my home away from home, it feels like. But uh, for those of you who maybe don't know me or, or Honestly, a thing that I haven't done every time that I've been here is to actually introduce you to my family. So I wanted to show you a picture. This is my crew. Uh, I'm the balding guy on the left. And then that's my wife, Ashley. We've been married seven years. So I say that it's like long enough that I have to think about it when people ask me, but I know it's not that long yet, but we've been married for seven years. And then that little girl in the middle uh, is my daughter, Eden. And she is just about three years old. She's entering the three-nager stage. 
where uh, she suddenly has opinions about everything and uh, just attitude that goes way beyond that little tiny frame that she has. But as I was thinking about where we're going today, I was actually thinking about Eden, and as something you need to know about me is I am probably to a fault kind of obsessed with like productivity and efficiency and performance. I'm a musician, uh, obviously I, I do this as well. I get up in front of people and talk, so like this element of performance is kind of all over my interests and in my life. And like any good parent, that means I wanna project all of my interests onto my daughter, right? So she's three years old, but even since she was a little baby, I've been trying to cultivate and develop in Eden this love of music. Uh, I can remember when we first brought her home from the hospital, it was like day one, I think, of being home. And uh, we were laying on the couch together, I was holding her, and I'm a big U2 fan. So I like pulled up the Joshua Tree album and just let it play in entirety. So I was like, this is the first album she's ever listened to in her life. And I had to make sure that it was like a good one. So we've done that, but uh, I actually was listening to this audiobook again, about the idea of performance, about training, about like operating at the highest level. It's a book called Peak, uh, that was talking about like, how do you live with peak performance? And there was just this one little illustration I heard as I was driving to work one day that talked about how you can actually teach kids to have perfect pitch uh, as, like, as long as they're before the age of five, I think it is. You can actually like develop perfect pitch. And if you don't know what that is, that's the ability to like hear and name a note. Just if I said like, sing middle C, you could just do that. So as a musician, I wish I could do that. And I discovered, oh my gosh, I can train my daughter to have this skill. She'll be like the best musician in the world. So we started our lessons and I would pull out her little uh, cat piano that some friends gifted us, which I'm a dog person, so I was offended by the cat piano in the first place. But anyway, I, I pulled out the cat piano. I'm like, if I have to have this terrible thing in my home, I might as well redeem it. And I started just playing notes. I'm like, Eden, this is middle C. Can you get it? But like I mentioned, I wanna be like a peak performer and I want her to be a peak performer. So we like stepped up beyond just recognizing individual notes. And uh, here's our latest thing that I've been working on with her on the cat piano. Anybody recognize that? No Van Halen fans in the room today? Come on, you've never heard jump on a cat piano? You're missing out. So anyway, she hasn't like quite learned that one yet, but like this idea of training and developing and growing, uh, it's something that I want to be true in my daughter's life, and maybe you're not as ridiculous as I am uh, when it comes to this, but the idea behind this whole theme that we've been talking about, this concept, this idea, this conversation we've been having for the past few weeks, is that if we wanna grow in something, we have to train, right? Like if I really want Eden to be a phenomenal musician, she's gonna have to practice at some point along the way. First, she's gonna have to actually love music for herself, and then if she does, she'll have to practice along the way, and it's true of any arena of life, and uh, this community called Revolution, you guys are people on a mission, right? It's this mission to help people find Jesus and live like him. And what we've been talking about these past few weeks is that live like him piece of the mission. It's training, it's growing, it's developing our ability to actually practice our faith, to put our faith into practice. And uh, there's this key verse you just saw, but I'm gonna read it for you again, that we've been looking at all along the way that says, uh, to train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for this life and also for the life to come. 
So the thing is, if you like train your body physically, right? If you work out, you'll look good for a season, but the bad news today is like eventually, everybody's body breaks down over time. Even if you're like fit every single year of your life, the bad news is eventually that comes to an end, right? But what the Apostle Paul is getting at in this verse, why this is such an important conversation for us to have today, is that if we train ourselves in godliness, if we actually practice our faith, if we actually become people who grow in our faith, that doesn't just benefit us in this life, but it makes an eternal impact on our lives and on the lives of others. So this is a big deal. We're talking about these spiritual practices that build our faith, that help us grow in our trust and our confidence in God. And what uh, we're gonna talk about today, it's kind of an unusual practice. Like if you ran down a list of things, if I said, hey, how, how could you grow your faith? We would probably hear answers today like read your Bible, pray, show up to church, worship. And those are all great things. They're things that we've even talked about throughout this conversation the past few weeks. But what we're gonna talk about today, I don't think would make the typical list. But the practices that we're gonna talk about are just as important and just as essential for us to like bring the stuff of real life to God and invite him to move in the middle of any situation in any circumstance. Because today we're gonna talk about the what, the why, and the how of two opposite but related practices. And those practices are celebration and lament. The practices of celebration and lament. And uh, like I said, we're talking about the what, the why, and the how of each of these practices throughout this conversation. And so to make sure we're on the same page before we jump in today, I just wanna give us a definition of each of those ideas. Celebration may feel like the more obvious of the two to us, but for today's uh, conversation, we're defining it this way, that celebration is actively remembering and enjoying the goodness of God in our lives. We'll talk about that more a little bit later, but that idea of actively remembering is so important. It's choosing to recognize that God is in the middle of our story, that God is involved in our lives, and it's celebrating those ways that he shows up that roots our lives in his story. And then on the other hand, there's this other less common practice of lament. And we'll define lament this way, that lament is the practice of bringing our struggles, our mourning, and our sorrow to God. It's this intentional acknowledgement of some of the hardest things in life. And it's less exciting than celebration, right? But it's just as much a part of our everyday lives. In fact, I would be willing to bet if I could survey the room today, uh, you would be either in a moment of celebration, like that maybe would come more naturally to you right now, or maybe that moment, that season of struggle is what's on the surface today. But you're somewhere in between, and uh, the good news and maybe the bad news today is that life is basically us bouncing between these two moments, right? We move from moments of celebration where things are great to moments of lament or struggle where things are maybe not so great. And the thing with both celebration and lament is that both of these practices, both of these ideas, they kind of exist within the realm of our emotions. They exist within the realm of our emotional response to the stuff of life. And depending on how you're wired, depending on maybe like the family that you grew up in or the culture that you feel like you live in, you probably have one of two responses to the idea of emotions. Like maybe you're like, that is the last thing I wanna talk about today, Eric. Like, I'm not an emotional guy, I'm not an emotional girl, like I like to keep that to myself. Please don't make me go there. I promise I won't make it too uncomfortable for you today if like that's you. Or maybe you're here today and you're like about to cry just because I said the word emotion, because it's like a faucet that you can just turn on instantly. Neither is right or wrong. Like we all have different temperaments. We all have a different makeup. 
Uh, but the reality is, like, culturally, in our world, like, we tend to avoid these practices of celebration and lament. When it comes to celebrating, I think often the pace of our lives keeps us from actually stopping and marking moments of celebration, of joy and significance along the way. We have this tendency, at least I have this tendency, to just move on to the next thing. Or, when it comes to the idea of lament, most of us don't like dealing with negative emotions, right? If we could just be happy all the time, we would do that. But this idea of lament is that it's a part of our lives, these negative emotions as well. And it's a big deal for us to figure this out uh, when it comes to the quality of our lives and the quality of our faith. Because here's the thing, the reality is, unresolved emotion causes unrest in our lives. Like maybe you're not an emotional person, you don't want to engage in that kind of stuff. The truth is, stuff's gonna happen in life that hurts. Stuff's gonna happen in life that maybe you ought to celebrate, but you miss it if you're moving too fast. And if we don't face and acknowledge and deal with what's happening under the surface, it's gonna unsettle us. It's gonna eat away at us. And over time, it can cause these bad habits, these hangups, these things that we carry with us along the way that keep us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. And so even though like these practices kind of touch on this realm of our emotions, I think there's one word that really undergirds this whole idea of being people of celebration and people of lament. That's all about one thing, and that thing is honesty. The ability to be honest about what's going on in our lives. And I think the truth is, most of us are mostly honest most of the time. Right, most of us are mostly honest to the IRS. Right, most of us, nobody wants to laugh at that one because they're like, that guy might be auditing, I don't know. Most of us are mostly honest if we go see like a therapist or a counselor, right? We'll give them about like 85 to 90%, but they've got to dig to get that last true 10% out of us. Most of us are mostly honest if you're dating someone, right? Like, it's you, but it's the best you that shows up on that date. They don't see like what you do with your toothbrush or whatever weird habits you have at your house. We're rarely fully honest. And I think the people, or maybe the person, that we're most often the least honest to is ourself. We most often avoid the truth about ourselves because honesty is full disclosure. Honesty is like dealing with everything that's there, facing reality and owning it along the way. And I would be willing to bet like if I could sit down and have coffee and talk with each of you, I'd be willing to bet that your best relationships would also be your most honest relationships. That the best relationships in your life are the relationships where you can show up and just be your full, authentic self, no matter what you're going through. It's a relationship where you feel accepted. Your best friendships, I'm sure, operate in that way. Your relationship with your spouse, when it's at its best, it's when you can just be yourself, warts and all. If you've ever talked to a mentor or a counselor, you've probably gotten the most out of that experience when you could show up and be fully seen and fully known, when you could be honest with that person. And so for the purpose of us trying to grow in our faith and learn these practices that can help us along the way, here's a question I want you to ask yourself. How honest are you to God? Like, how honest are you in your relationship with God? And if you're here today, and maybe you don't have like a background in church, Maybe you just wandered in here because somebody promised you lunch or something, or you were scrolling on Facebook and happened to see this. Like, if you're here and you don't have a background in church, maybe this idea feels really uncomfortable to you. The idea of actually being honest in front of God. Maybe your picture of God doesn't allow that. 
Maybe you don't think God wants your honest self. Maybe a conversation with God feels uncomfortable. I mean, I think about it in these terms, like if you ever need to be honest with your boss, like I worked at a different church in the past and, and I had a boss over me, a guy who was our lead pastor. Or even now, I have an elder board that holds me accountable. I'm a part of networks, like the New Thing Network that has us connected with churches like Revolution. And whenever I'm typing an email to those guys, I don't just like shoot off the cuff, right? You type it out and then you read it again. And you're like, did I word everything right? Like, are they gonna be okay with this? Because they have like authority over us. And I think it's in the same way that maybe when you think about talking to God, it's like, okay, I gotta get it all right. right? I gotta get the words right. I've gotta have my scripted response. I've gotta use the right words and I better not call him the wrong name. And uh, that, that can actually become a barrier to what I'm talking about today. It can become a barrier to us practicing these ideas of celebration and lament if you feel like you have to polish yourself up before you approach God. Because the truth is, until you're honest to God, you won't experience God fully. That until you get to a place where you can bring your full authentic self, whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be going through to God, you'll miss out on experiencing God fully. Because if we aren't honest about who we are and how we feel, then we can't grasp who God is and how God feels. We're always gonna hold a piece of ourselves back. And if we aren't honest about what we're facing in life, then we're gonna struggle to invite God and discover where he's moving in our lives. And here's like the promise on the other side of that. Scripture tells us over and over again about this principle that when we move towards God, God actually moves towards us as well. That when we're willing to be honest, when we're willing to approach God, God moves in our direction as well. There's this incredible verse uh, in the book of Jeremiah that says, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. That's what God says to you and says to me today, that you'll seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Jesus himself, when he walked this earth, said if you seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, then everything else will be given to you as well, right? If you move towards God, God moves towards you. And uh, James, Jesus's brother, who wrote uh, part of the New Testament, actually wrote it down in really simple terms. He said, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. If you, if you move towards God, God moves in your direction. And so what I wanna do uh, with the rest of our time together is help you understand how these practices of celebration and lament can actually be tools in our tool belt that help us move towards God in any circumstance and in any situation, in some of the best and in some of the worst moments of our lives. So first, we'll jump in and we'll talk about celebration. Uh, remember, we're defining celebration as actively remembering and enjoying the goodness of God in our lives. And, and we can actually celebrate, like not just when we throw a party, not just when we show up on Sundays, although that's a part of celebration, but we recognize and honor the generosity and the faithfulness and the goodness of God in our lives. Celebration as a faith-growing practice happens when we celebrate not just the gifts that God gives us, but when we celebrate the giver of those gifts, when we actually thank God for the good things he's given us. And God actually instructed his people at the very beginning to make this a rhythm of their lives. If you go back to the creation story, God works for six days and on the seventh day he rests. And then he instructs his people to do the same thing. And this is another talk for another day, but one piece of that idea of resting on the seventh day is actually enjoying the good world that God has placed us in. Enjoying the gifts of God and letting those gifts from God point us back to the giver 
of those gifts. As the story went on with God's people, and the, God's people became this nation known as Israel, right at the very beginning, God instructed his people to have certain celebrations, certain festivals that marked significant moments in their story. That song that we were singing earlier uh, called Exodus, it, it kind of goes along with the journey of God's people out of slavery in Egypt and into a place called the Promised Land. God put a festival in place so that his people could remember the way that he moved in their lives, the way that he delivered them, the way that he walked alongside them, the way that he parted the waters and led them through the deepest and darkest valleys. So these festivals and these practices are meant to be reminders of God's faithfulness to his people. And we don't really do that in as formal of a way today. I mean, we still have it in the church, right? When we gather for Easter, that's a significant moment where we celebrate the resurrection. Uh, when we gather for Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But in our personal lives, it can be easy for us to go from thing to thing to thing and not stop to recognize where God has shown up along the way. And there's two reasons I wanna share with you today why celebration is actually an important practice for us to have as it relates to our faith. And the first is this, it's that celebration actually shifts our perspective. Celebration helps us to view the things of life differently. It reminds us of what's ultimately true. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, if you're in a significant relationship or if you're married here today. Uh, I talked about how I've been married for seven years. The truth is the trajectory of my wife and I's relationship over the course of those seven years, it hasn't all just been up and to the right. Right? There's like ups and downs, and there's these seasons or stretches in time where love can actually grow stale, where in the day-in, day-out routines, things can get stagnant, things can grow distant, love can become commonplace or complacent. But I don't know if you're like me, but if you ever go to a wedding, doesn't it just remind you of the power of love? Doesn't it just remind you of like that significant commitment that was made? For me, every single time I go to a wedding, I get to participate in a wedding, even if I officiate that wedding, even if it's for people that I don't really know, there's a piece of it for me that takes me back to the true meaning of marriage, to the true significance of love, and the true purpose behind that relationship. The same thing is true for me in my life. Every time that there's a baby who's born, and I get to draw near to them, like parents, we're talking about being honest today, right? Parenting is hard. Parenting is tiring, especially when you're just in that grind of day in and day out. It can be this hard, tiring routine. But for me, every single time a baby is born, like in my family or in one of my friend groups, and I get to see them or hold them, it, it reminds me of the wonder of that first moment, the wonder of the gift of being a parent. It, it's this recognition that like, oh my gosh, this is a sacred calling on our lives. It's this opportunity to celebrate. Honestly, I can feel this just with birthdays in general. Like my uh, grandfather, he's 93 years old now, and uh, whenever we celebrate his birthday, it just brings this rich reminder to me that like the years that we get are literally numbered, but they're so significant. The way that we use them matters. So these celebrations, right, they can be reminders of things like love and the gift of parenting and the gift of legacy, but celebrating actually shifts our perspective it helps us not get so caught up in just the routine and the rhythms of day in and day out, but it helps us remember what's ultimately important. And here's the thing. We don't have to wait for a special occasion to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. We can actually make this a practice and a rhythm that reminds us of what is most true every single day if we choose to do it. 
Celebration can shift our perspective to what really matters. But not only that, but celebrating can also root us in God's story. Right? Celebrating reminds us that it's not just about us, but that God is actually active and moving in our lives as well. This is how we remember the giver and not just the gift. When we look for God's activity in our lives, that brother of Jesus I told you about, James, he wrote these words talking about God. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. That every good thing that you experience in your life actually comes from God. But celebration can be this way that we stop and we recognize that. That we give God credit for showing up in our lives. That we raise our awareness of how God is moving and is active. But that only happens if we stop and we choose to actively remember him. And these things aren't just true in the happy moments of life. These aren't just true in the joyful moments, the things that we celebrate. But the thing is, we can do this in the difficult moments too. And the way we do that is through lament. And so lament is that practice of bringing our struggles, our mourning, and our sadness to God. And it's less fun to talk about, right? It's less fun to think about those difficult moments, but it's just as important to your faith journey. If you have a faith that doesn't have room for lament, you have a faith that's on a very unstable foundation because at some point, life is gonna happen. At some point, life is not gonna go in the way that you planned. And in fact, there uh, is a collection of poetry right in the middle of your Bible called the Psalms. That's a great example of what lament can look like. Some of those Psalms are written by a guy who eventually became the king of Israel named David. But David did not have a problem-free story. In fact, if you read through the Psalms at all, you'll find like David was up and down all the time. I kind of identify with David because I have a artistic personality where like my highs are real high and my lows are real low. That's how David is. Like if you read through some of the Psalms, it's like, God, you're amazing. And then three verses later, it's like, I'm in the pit of despair and nothing's gonna be okay. That's how life is sometimes, right? But here's the incredible thing. David, who authored these Psalms, was actually known in a certain way. In fact, God said this was true about David. He said that David was a man after God's own heart. And this man after God's own heart didn't just celebrate all the time. Life wasn't just always happy for him. But the man who was after God's own heart sometimes cried out to God, sometimes was angry with God. He would speak with this raw honesty that sometimes is even offensive for us to read today. He would cry out and say, like, where are you, God? Like, what are you doing, God? How could you leave me in this way? In fact, David will say things in Scripture that are not true about God, but they're honest about David's experience of God. David, this man after God's own heart, found permission to be honest to God in the difficult moments. And in fact, when he walked this earth, Jesus did the same thing too. There's an account in scripture where one of Jesus's best friends, a guy named Lazarus, uh, passes away. And Jesus walks to the tomb of his friend who passed away. Jesus holding the power of life and death, by the way, looks into this empty tomb. And scripture tells us that he got angry because he was looking into death and its effects. Now, Jesus knew what he was about to do, and as the story goes on, he actually raises Lazarus back to life, and it's an incredible miracle. But don't miss the fact that Jesus was angry, that perfect Jesus, right? Jesus, who we worship, was angry in the face of suffering and loss. And in fact, towards the end of his life, Jesus finds himself praying in a garden, pleading with his heavenly Father that there could be a different way for things to turn out, that life could go differently than the moment that he was experiencing, because it's okay to approach God in these moments 
of difficulty. Lament is a big deal for the same reasons that celebration is a big deal. Lament can shift our perspective. It can help us to see life accurately in terms of the big picture of what God is doing. I think one of the temptations when we're going through something difficult, when we're going through hard times, is to believe the lie that we're alone. It's to believe the lie that, that no one understands us, that no one understands what it's like to be us. But lamenting to God, being honest to God, reminds us that God is with us and that God is for us, that God hears us in those difficult moments. I've talked about how much I love being a dad. Uh, there was actually a, a moment a couple of years back when my wife and I were trying to start a family where we, uh, we had some difficulty doing so. And uh, it really caught me by surprise. I mean, this is a, a thing that a lot of us talk about these days, and uh, it's becoming more and more of a common conversation. But we, uh, we had tried to have kids together and uh, actually had a positive pregnancy test. So we were celebrating, we were excited. Uh, we made it about, I believe, 11 weeks. We had told my family, we had told my friends, like we had started to celebrate the news. And uh, we went in for our first ultrasound. And I'll never forget uh, this moment in life, one of those deep valleys of life, we went in for this ultrasound, expecting to hear that heartbeat and to see the little squiggly alien thing on the monitor. And it just wasn't there. And we found out that for whatever reason, the, that pregnancy wasn't viable. And it emotionally wrecked me. And I know there's people who have had more difficult journeys than I have, but in that moment, like life wasn't going the way that I thought life was supposed to go. Right? I had to go tell my parents, hey, <laughs> it didn't work out, right? It didn't go the way we were all excited for, the way that we planned. I had to tell friends that. And I can remember a couple of days after that ultrasound, obviously things were heavy in our household. Ashley was going through things emotionally, and I was as well. And uh, I was just sitting on the couch, kind of fuming and mad and everything. Like this spaghetti of emotions was just sitting there under the surface for me. And uh, I don't know what prompted me to do this, but I got up and I just walked out into my garage and I found this little chunk of wood that was just like laying on the ground because I don't clean up very well, but I picked it up and then I remembered that my, uh, my parents had gotten me this wood burning kit for Christmas just a few months before. And I took it out and it was almost like I was on autopilot, like I wasn't like intentionally doing anything, but I ended up making this little piece of art that uh, has the words, let it matter on it. I've got a picture of it. That's my messy garage. And that's this thing that I wood burnt in. And it's because there was this song uh, by an artist called Johnny Swim that for some reason was just running through my mind on that day. And uh, the lyrics to the chorus say this, if it matters, let it matter. Hearts aching, let it ache. Catch the pieces as they scatter and know your hurt is not in vain. Don't hide yourself from the horror. Hurt today, here tomorrow. If it's fragile and it shatters, let it matter. Let it matter. And for me, those few days leading up to my little wood burning project, I wasn't doing that. I was trying to avoid it. I was trying to stuff it down. I was trying to get through it all on my own. But as soon as I let it matter, as soon as I expressed myself in that way, it actually shifted my perspective. It gave me the ability to recognize, like, hey, this is a hard moment that I'm walking through, but that doesn't mean God's not who God has always been. That doesn't mean that God won't show up through this one way or another. So lament, actually expressing that negative emotion, it can shift our perspective. It can remind us of a bigger story. It can remind us that this moment that we're experiencing isn't the ultimate moment, but there's a much bigger thing that we're a part of, which is the second thing I wanna remind you of today. 
is that lament actually roots us in God's story. It reminds us that our darkest moments are just that, moments. I can remember there was this story uh, that my pastor shared when I was growing up in church. It's like the one thing I remember from growing up in church because most of the time I just doodled on the bulletin. Uh, But the pastor told this story uh, about this king who asked for a ring to be made that would make a happy man sad and a sad man happy. And so all these people went out and they created this beautiful artwork and tried to produce it, but the person who uh, returned with the king's request gave him this ring and engraved on the ring were the words, this too shall pass. This too will pass, right? Those happy moments in life, those will pass. So we should celebrate and savor them when they're here. But those difficult moments of life, they're just moments and life will be good again too. And here's the point today. Here's why these practices of celebration and lament are a huge deal. It's because God wants all of me and God wants all of you. God wants you exactly as you are in the middle of whatever circumstance you may be facing. And these two practices, even though they're kind of opposite in their direction, they're both opportunities for us to show up and to be honest with God, to invite him into our experience of life and to allow us to experience his presence. And just real quick, as we wrap up, like, I want to kind of lay it on the bottom shelf for you. Like, how do we really do this? How do we really celebrate and lament in the middle of life? And first, I just want to ask you, like, a couple of revealing questions to maybe think about. Like, are you celebrating anything that you haven't told God about? Is there anything joyful in your life that maybe you're just glossing over and you haven't taken the time to recognize the gift? Are you celebrating the gift? but not the giver. I think one way that we can really help ourselves mark these moments is to do what I would call building altars. And if you think it's about to get weird, I'm not asking you to like stack rocks in your front yard or anything like that. But building an altar was this practice that God's people did to mark the moments where God showed up and was faithful. And for me in my life, altars uh, can look like a photo of a significant moment. I have a photo of our uh, opening day when we first started doing ministry in Peru uh, that I hold on to, and it reminds me of what God can do because he's done it in the past. It it can be a card that somebody wrote to you. I have cards that I hold on to where friends have written kind words about me and my leadership that when I feel low in my leadership, it can remind me of those good moments along the way. It could be artwork. It could be a memento, something that somebody's gifted to you along the way, but these altars can be reminders of how God showed up. So for you, as an act of celebration, of recognizing God's goodness in your life, what if there's an altar that you need to build today to remind yourself of God's faithfulness along the way? There's another opportunity for us to practice the idea of lament as well. And so first, some revealing questions. Is there anything you need to lament that you've been avoiding? Is there anything you need to be angry about? Anything you need to just give yourself permission to be disappointed about? or uncertain about, not just on your own, but uncertain about to God, angry about to God, disappointed about to God. If so, give yourself space to face it. Because here's the thing, friends, God can handle it. God knows that you're in the midst of it anyway, but he wants you. He wants that relationship with you. And what he wants for you is to help you find an anchor in the midst of that difficulty. An anchor is something that can hold you down, right? It can keep you steady, even if the waves are crashing in your life. 
And when things are unknown and things are upside down, an anchor is something that you can hold on to. In the book of Hebrews, we're told this, that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, that the presence of God in our life can actually anchor us in those lament moments, in those difficult times. But here's the invitation for you and for me today. In the good times, in the bad times, through celebration and through lament, the invitation is for you and me to be honest to God, to actually show up to God in whatever state that we're in and trust that he knows and he understands. He just wants you, right? He just wants you to open up your heart to him. And again, in that book of Hebrews, a couple of chapters earlier, there's this beautiful invitation for you and for me today in whatever season, whatever circumstance you may be facing. It says this, that we do not have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. In other words, Jesus understands what it's like to be a human. Jesus understands what you're going through today, whether it's a moment of celebration or a moment of lament. And then here's his invitation. He says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So here's what we're gonna do as we wrap up. The band's gonna play a song and you can stay seated if you want because I think this is an opportunity for you to do what we've been talking about today, to literally put your faith into practice. And if you're here and you're in a moment of celebration, what if you talked to God about it? What if you thanked him for his goodness in your life, the way that he's shown up, the way that he's been faithful, the way that he's blessed you? What if that was your act of worship today back to God? It was actually putting language around the gifts that you've received and recognizing the giver of those gifts as your heavenly father. And if you're here today, and you're in the middle of something difficult, if you're in a hard moment, what if you were honest to God? What if you're like, God, I'm a mess. Like maybe for you, your starting point in these next few moments is to simply say to God, God, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say to you in the middle of what I'm going through. Maybe for you, it's God, I'm mad at you because you're not doing what I think you should. Friends, he's big enough to hear that from you. In fact, he wants to hear that from you because God wants all of you. God wants your heart. God wants a relationship with you. And the invitation is just to be honest to God by practicing celebration, by practicing lament, by coming to God as you are and giving him your full heart because that is how relationships work and it's how your relationship is meant to work with your heavenly father. So take these next moments, respond to God as you feel led, as you feel that you need and let him move and meet you exactly where you are.